So we are celebrating our five-year anniversary. And it's been an amazing journey. It really has. When I think about what God's done, the, the, the lives that have been impacted, um, my life's been impacted. You know, it's funny. People can look at me like, because we're the pioneer that we have, we're the ones uh, progenerating the impact. It's really not quite true. It's more of a, a reciprocating relationship where I invest in you and you invest back in me. And, and I'm encouraged by, when I see people grow, when I see like the communicators we've had teaching the last several weeks get up here and begin to begin to teach and to make disciples themselves, I, I, I believe me when I say I, I couldn't be more excited and more thrilled. In fact, I just told, uh, I, was, I was talking to uh, Larry Kreider from the Dove Network the other day, and I said, you know, I'm honestly at a place where I think I enjoy hearing my, you know, hearing the people that I'm training preach and teach almost more so than doing it myself. I just a real win for me when I see that happening. So, but I want to read, start with a verse today that Paul the Apostle said about his own ministry in life. He had already been doing ministry. He had been seeing things happen. He'd been seeing impact. And, uh, and he, he wrote this about himself when he considered uh, his life in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. What, Paul? What are you pressing on for? That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren... I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. I love what Paul's saying here. You have the Apostle Paul reflecting, like in, in Romans, he said, look, I will not fail to declare or boast about. Listen to what he said. I will not fail to declare or boast about what God has done through me in signs and wonders and miracles to bring the Gentiles, which would have been the non-Jewish nations, obedient to Christ. But later then, in this letter, he's saying, okay, he, at one point he's saying, I would boast of that. Now he's saying, you know, I, I haven't laid hold of it yet. I'm not done yet. Now I wanna say that about Lifeway Church. We're not done yet. And I want to say that about you specifically. I believe if you're here today, if you still have air in your lungs, you know, if, 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 you know, if, if you're not dead, God's not done kind of thing, for Pastor Steve Sable say. Uh, and, and I believe that there's more. When you walked in today, you probably saw a new banner we have on the wall there. At the very top, it says, you were made for more. And, and we, we began to do that because I began to realize every time someone walks in, even when you have an impediment, even when life knocks you down, I believe you were made for more. More what? More knowing Christ. More connection to the body of Christ. More unpacking of the discovery of your purpose. More impact through your life more healing in your relationships, more truth in the inmost parts that transforms us, conforms us to the image of Jesus Christ. More, you were made for more. The world has its own version of more. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not talking about more of the, of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the, the fighting online, the I'm right, you're wrong, not more of that. We can do, use a lot more humility, a lot more going deeper in Jesus, a lot more meditation in his word. So, so let me ask you a question for you. What if there is more? 
How does God lead us and with what process do we lay hold of that inner, there's more speaking to us on the inside? Are you guys, I mean, am I the only one that gets that? I mean, there's days I wake up and there's more speaking to us on the inside. And and, and so I want to share a little of our backstory with you in the hope that it will uh, connect with yours and then how we might fulfill Listen, how we might fulfill God's purpose for our lives together. The title of my message today is Fulfilling God's Purpose, and and I want to unpack that a little bit for you. Now, I want to tell you how Lifeway Church started. You know, since my early 20s, like 22, 21, I I felt called to be a church planter. I didn't even know what that was then. I didn't get that. I just knew something inside me knew I was going to do that. I also knew I wasn't anywhere remotely near ready for that. And since my early 20s, I always had a love for prayer. I had the right, I had two guys, two older men, a guy named Johnny Williams and a guy named Ray Young. Johnny loved the word. The guy was a walking Bible, could spit out scriptures. And I thought, man, I want to be like Johnny. You know, I want to have the word in me like that. And then Ray Young, man, he would sit there. He's this old guy and he, he was a Texan. He was the Texan Texan. You know what I'm saying? He would sit down. He would tell me about the time in the 70s when the Jesus movement was happening and he had, they had a little house church called God's Living Room. And, and he would sit there and he would hunch over. So he's a tall, skinny man with a big white mustache, white hair. He said, Jimmy, if you could just get in that place of prayer, you could bring a revival. And I'm like, I'm a young 20-year-old, 20-something-year-old. Yeah, man, tell me more. And they would tell me the stories about men like praying Hyde. And they would tell me stories about, uh, uh, you know, all the different intercessors, Reese Howell's intercessor. And I got to hear about the missionary C.T. Studd and how he went all the way. And, and I thought Studd meant he was a stud, you know, and uh, a missionary stud, a preaching stud. And, and he was, and, he, and they did all these things. And I got to hear about all the famous missionaries that many of you would have grown up on. I wasn't raised in the church. This was so exciting for me. And I had these two men pouring into me, giving me a love of the word and a love of prayer that followed me all the way through my Christian experience. So then eventually in 2005, I start to, I feel led with the help of Effort of Community Church to start the Gateway House of Prayer, which became a 24-hour day, seven-day prayer ministry. And yeah, it's still alive. Come on, let's give it up for 24-7. Some of the people on the front row are still serving in that ministry. Uh, today, some of you, some of you take watches and you pray down there. At effort, there, it's it's dedicated to that. It wasn't going to be a local church. In fact, we were so insensitive to people coming in. You had to kind of hear the Holy Spirit to even figure out what to do. You had to walk in there, kind of, where's the wind blowing in this place? And you just kind of jump in and and figure it out. And and so um, I started in 2005. In 2007, the Holy Spirit. We were still a young ministry, barely make it. We weren't even 24-7 yet. We weren't even close. I just started our first internship, training internship, kind of like core discipleship intensive we have here. I started that training internship, and I, I heard the Holy Spirit while I was praying in one of my many prayer watches during that time. I, I pay attention to what I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you how to plant a church. I hadn't, so I hadn't thought about this since like 1992, now in 2007, the Holy Spirit's reminding me, uh, you're not done yet. I'm like, Lord, I'm two years into a new ministry. What are you talking about, church plant? Didn't make any sense to me at all. So fast forward to 2012, Lifeway has now, or Gateway has, I got my ways, uh, ways, Gateway, Lifeway. Um, Gateway had been going for now, uh, what, uh, I guess, eight, 
I'll see, well, let me do my math, I'm sorry. Uh, 2007, five more years. In 2012, so we, we had been going for about seven, eight years. Um, the Lord began to, I was down at a, 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 I began to have my own internal ponderings, like when is this supposed to happen? I was wrestling on the inside. I would start talking to Lydia. Lydia, I think we're, we're gonna be called to plant a church soon. Lydia actually told me, no way. Like we worked so hard to get to where we're at. Come on, how many business owners do I have here? You own a business, you started a business and it's still going. And after about, or maybe business is still going, but there was some point in the journey, you had done it and it got up and it was up and running and successful. And you just, it'd be like suddenly deciding, I'm gonna walk away from this and start over again. That's how hard, that's, that's, it's just the same kind of concepts when you're pioneering something. So Lydia and I, Lydia doesn't believe me. We go down to this conference. We take 20 people from the Gateway House of Prayer. We go down to the Praying Church Conference at the International House of Prayer in Atlanta. And, and I'm feeling stirred up about this planting church thing. And I'm only having private discussions with my wife. Nobody else knows. I mean, zero people know that we're thinking about this at this time. And so we have 20 people down there and we're in this, uh, we're in this message where this guy's preaching and he talks about the praying church. And then he begins to say, he begins to have this, this kind of ministry call. If you feel called to plant a praying church, I want you to come up here right now everything in me. I could feel my spirit wanting to run front, but I was like, no way. I got 20 people here. I will totally kill the morale of my group. Like if I run out, they're going, what's he talking about? And so, uh, so I didn't, I prayed on the inside. I said, God, if you're talking to me today, I'm privately praying in my heart, God, if you're talking to me today, I need you to send somebody up here to give you some kind of word or something. You let me know that I either let's decide this now, or let's get this, this idea out of my mind because it's keeping me from working. It's keeping me from pressing on in what we're doing. It's messing with me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever got messed with you? And you need God to decide, help you decide. I'm not just talking about me today. See, I'm talking about you. As I tell you my story, I want you to connect it with your story and when God calls us to fulfill his purpose in something. And so, unbeknownst to me, Lydia is also over there praying, God, if it's your will for this planting of, you know, a, a, a church thing, I need you to... I need you to confirm that. I didn't know she was praying that. The other thing I was praying on the inside is, Lord, I don't need to lead it. And this is really important because sometimes God will put something in your heart. You're not necessarily called to lead at the highest level of leadership, but you're called to be a part of the team that's doing it. It makes a difference. And I said, Lord, I don't need to lead this thing. I just need to know if you're calling me out. If you want me to lead it, you, you let me know. If you want me to follow somebody and doing something else, I've, I've served other people's visions. I would do it again. At the end of that service, this famous worship leader from the 90s, a man named Kent Henry. He's, I, I, I think he was from the 70s renewal or something. Anyway, joking because that's the way he came up to me. But he was, Kent's really tall, and I'm, of course, I'm really tall too. <laughs> and um, Kent's really tall, and Kent comes up to me at the end of the, at the end of the message. He, he walked up to me in a room full of 500 people. He comes up and says, hey, hey bro. <laughs> he says, I feel like God gave me a word for you. And I'm like, okay, would you mind if I get my wife? Because I think I'd like her to hear this. He said, yeah, yeah do that. I'll get, I'll get my wife. And, and then we'll meet you back at the sound booth. And so we met back at the sound booth. He's a funny guy. He really is. Uh, I've been tempted to have him in the church at some point, but then I'm like, he'll probably weird y'all out. So, uh, but anyway, he, he, uh, he, 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 he just, they begin to put their hands on us, begin to pray for us. And this is how he opens up. Listen to how he opens up. So I'm wrestling with leaving the Gateway House of Prayer. He says, uh, hey, man, yeah, I feel like the Lord gave me this word for you, and uh, I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is saying, uh, you're not called to do the house of prayer thing. 
You're called to plant a praying church. Lydia and I, I bet blood drained from my face. And I wasn't, you would think I'd be excited, right? Because I'm getting confirmation. I wasn't. I was not happy the entire prophecy, right? So he's, he's telling me, he's telling me, uh, you're, you're called to plant a praying church. And he says, I'm seeing a, a, a lot of young adults. Like you're going to have a lot of 18 year olds and 26 year olds. And, and I'm seeing that kind of age range in there. And, and, uh, and he said, oh yeah, uh, it's way, it's a funny way he gave it. He'd be like, oh yeah. Uh, and he said, he said, for the last several years, you've been willing to serve another man's vision. And God says, you're the one that's called to lead this. What I want to do, I need you to lead it. So then this is what happens. I get done hearing this word. I turn around. My number two guy, a guy named Luke Weaver, serves with me in this ministry. He's now the uh, director of YWAM Lancaster, right? So, so Luke Weaver was serving me in prayer. I turn. I, I, Luke happens to walk up, come into the doors right about the time I'm turning away for getting. I look like I, look like I died. I was physically nauseous from the word. I turned to look at Luke and Luke's like, whoa, are you okay? I'm like, I am not okay. And he said, and he said, uh, can I, I said, I need to go back to the hotel room and rest. I was, I was skipping the next session. I just wanted to physically rest. I was so overwhelmed. And then uh, I began to tell Luke, then Luke was nauseous. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Luke was like, no, you can't leave me, you know? Here's what I know. When God, when God is, is uh, trying to reveal his purpose for your life, uh, he'll stir you up. I, a lot of people tell me, how do I know when God's leading me to do something? You get stirred up to the point of annoyance. It's like somebody released a beehive on the inside of you and you're trying to figure it out. You want to stuff all those bees back into their nest. Are you following me? It stirs you up. It pings your brain here and there. It's reminding you that God's not letting you comfortable. It's like a mama bird trying to kick the bird out of the nest. And so it's like, and all of a sudden the nest is disappearing. So he'll put the desire, he'll put the consideration for it first and then he'll often confirm it through others. I'm real leery of you've never had the idea and somebody comes up and gives you a word and it's like it was never in your heart. I would not trust that at all. If you come up to me today and say, the Lord's gonna call you to whatever and it's some crazy thing, I'm gonna look at you like, okay, that's nice until he drops that in my heart. I'm not even remotely acting on that. I'm talking about things that are already stirring in you and then someone walks up and says, man, have you been praying about this? Or hey, lady, you've been praying about this? And you're like, yeah. And I, you got to understand, while I wanted to serve and I want to surrender to God, I was having the difficulty of just processing all the work. I'm being asked to walk away from everything I'd worked on for eight years. And it just got good. So the first thing you have to do to fulfill God's purpose for your life, and the first thing God gets you to do is you have to think about it. You have to think about it. That's like a duh factor, right? What do I mean by think about it? Well, so in Kent Henry's word, one of the things he's, that was in January. Um, I was about to go on my first sabbatical uh, during that time. I'd been in ministry for about 10 years, and so the leaders were sending me on sabbatical. Funny thing, Barry Whistler said to me right before he went, I went on sabbatical, who was my boss at the time, he said, hey, whatever you do on sabbatical, no life-changing decisions on sabbatical, Okay. <laughs> I said, yes, sir, no life-changing decisions, right? 
We go to the beach. We spend the June down in Florida. It was fun. July, we come up. I'm, I don't have any more money. I'm, Vern, you know what I'm talking about, right? You run out of money. And then you're like, okay, what do we do now? I'm just going to sit at the house, I guess. I'm not allowed to go to church. So, Unfortunately, I lived in the neighborhood where Gateway was. So I'm walking around seeing the building when I take a walks around the block, you know, and there's the building. And I'm like, and I'm not supposed to be thinking about work, but I'm thinking about work. And one of the weird things in, in Ken Henry's prophecy, it's just one of those weird things you got to trust me on. Like I got the word in January. He said, in July, it will become clear to you. Well, I didn't know, I, I didn't, wasn't even thinking about it, but it was July. By July, I'm sorry, man. You, if I met you in January and you don't show up again till July, I don't even remember you. I mean, I might remember your face, but I don't remember your name. Uh, it's, that's how much information is coming in my world uh, every week. And so uh, I, I, I didn't even remember that word. It was in a journal somewhere. But I was praying. I had this thought hit me. I said, and I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, unless the prayer movement hits the local church, it's going to die. The prayer movement was never meant to be in some parachurch ministry. It was meant to the church of Jesus Christ was meant to be a house of prayer for all nations. And so the Lord began to put this, this, this uh, passion in me. He got me to consider it and and then all of a sudden, I remembered as I was thinking about that, I said, well, then I guess I got to plant the church. And then Kent's word came in, in July, it will become clear to you. And I had that moment of clarity and I began to then process it with other people. And so I asked God, this is, here's the other thing that happens when God gets you to think about it. Whatever God's leading you to do, pray for confirmation. He's not short on it. He can, he can speak to you through billboards if he has to. He'll find a way to communicate to you. And... Um, when we were talking about our prayer ministry here at Lifeway, speaking of billboards, the billboards outside, I began to pray about our prayer ministry. Like, Lord, do you want Lifeway's prayer ministry to be 24-7 or do you want it to be, I don't know what that's going to look like. And I would drive by and I would see these billboards 24-7, 365. I'm like, what the? You know, and, and that would happen to me like regularly. It was, yeah, you have God doing any of that kind of stuff? Or am I the only weird person in the room that has that happen anyway? Okay. But confirmation, I, I began to seek the Lord and pray. If Lord, if this is your will and timing, please confirm it. I had, so, so I'm a kind of guy who I don't get, people don't come up and give me words very often. Like I've trained a lot of people in these things like hearing God and prophetic ministry and we love that stuff here. But, uh, but, at, but at the same time, it rarely would happen to me until this season. I, had f I got five words from people texted to me, emailed to me in a week. Five. That, so it never happens. And so then in that week when I'm praying, where you confirm five words. That same month, I had nine words confirming your call to plant the church. Nobody knew what I was wrestling with on the inside. They had different ways they communicated it, but it, that's what they were communicating over and over again. So then I took that to my leaders. I think the next step in confirmation is to talk to somebody significant in your life. You trust their walk with the Lord. You trust their spiritual relationship with Jesus. And you trust them wanting what's best for you. And I began to process it with Barry. And I want to tell you, every person I processed it with was not excited. Where I was important to their ministry or service. So I talked to Barry. Barry's like, we were on our way. It was like, we were going to London to do some ministry. And he said, look, we are not going to talk about this church planting thing while we're in London. Or deal? I said, deal. And then, then Dorinda Kaler, his, the lady that leads his intercessory prayer ministry, she sends me this word. Jimmy, God's called you to this apostolic. And all she meant by that was like this church planting kind of ministry. You're, you're called to this apostolic kind of thing. You're going to leave the house of prayer. and You're going to be doing this. She didn't know anything. I hold, the, I hold that word up to bury on my email. I'm not trying to talk about it, but I think God wants to talk about it. 
Because sometimes when you're making transitions, it's not just you, right, who has to change. It's everybody around you. It's, it's, the, it's everything. It's, it, it affects everyone. And so, listen, testing whatever God's leading you to do won't hurt you. If it's God, it can handle some scrutiny of others. It wasn't like everyone loved what I was saying, and I allowed the process uh, for God to get those closest to me on board. The final thing in thinking about it is you need to count the cost. Luke 14, 28 through 30 says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. We need to count the cost. Luke 14, 33 finishes that whole passage with this. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So I'm having this internal wrestling of staying comfortable or stepping out into the unknown and doing what was not comfortable for me. Do you know this? So part, part, of, part of counting the cost is, is some research. Do you know what I learned in that early process? 90% of church plants fail within the first five years. I was so encouraged. <laughs> I mean, you know what you're thinking, right? What's the chances I'm going to be in the 10% sliver? I mean, that just takes some humility to look at that thing honestly. There were changes that would impact me personally. My ECC, I was just hanging out with uh, Kevin just a few days ago, and, and we were talking, and I, I joked, and I said, uh, you know, I, I said, I think your uh, facilities manager is paid more than me. Are you hiring? And he said, yes, no question. That we'll hire you in a second. I said, dude, you're going to sabotage the world anyway. Um, <laughs> don't, don't, don't tempt me. He... Uh, Personally, security, right? If you're in a secure job, you're in a secure situation, you're in secure, whatever it is you're in, that security will challenge, the new, that security and safety will challenge the new call to something that's not gonna be as secure and safe. For my children, we had to process with them, like, hey, kids, and if you're gonna do something, don't just drag your kids, involve them in the discussion, especially if they're older. My children, I met, we met with all of them, so let's, let's pray about, we just pray about this. And Micah was like, he was serene. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, if that's what God wants, that's what I'll do. Carissa was struggling a little bit. They had to change their whole friendship circle. Think about it. Yeah. And uh, for, for, that didn't always work out well for my kids. They, 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 they you know, for whatever reason, it, it put them in a lot of opportunity for temptation and, and uh, struggle. Yeah. Now they're on the other side of that now. But, but this is part of the cost. Confronting fears. How's this going to happen? Where's the money going to come to do all this? Will anyone even want to go with us? And somewhere in that, I had to surrender. Part of, part of thinking about it is getting to the place where you finally surrender to God and say, you know what? Whatever you want is what I want. You didn't call me to comfort. You called me to do your will. And so I'd rather try and fail than stay safe and secure and then wonder if I actually did what God made me to do. Are you connecting with that? The second thing you have to do is you have to, to go for it. If you're going to fulfill God's purpose, you have to go for it. You can think about it for a while, but when I, when I think about God's purpose, we talk about fulfilling God's purpose, a lot of people will run around saying, God, what's your will for my life? What's, what's my purpose? So you don't have a purpose by yourself. We say discover purpose, but the purpose we're discovering is the one God already has, and that the church of Jesus Christ is getting in on it. Does that make sense? 
God is moving and you're joining him in what he's already sovereignly doing, you're saying, yeah, I want to jump in on your kingdom, bring in the kingdom party. I want to get in on that. And so I begin to consider if I was made, created for this, that others are also. And I want to say to you that I think if God's called you to something, there's probably a team out there that he's got for you. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself self to God as one approved, listen, a worker, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Well, I, you gotta remember this season, I love the Bible. It wasn't that I wasn't handling the word of truth, but working, like starting something takes work. When you go for it, there will be work involved. We can have this mindset like God's just gonna roll that thing out. It's gonna be some easy street deal. I don't care what you're starting. If you're starting something, there is work involved. Work is a four-letter word, but it's not a four-letter word, if you know what I mean. Yeah. There's a blessing in the work. And then, so out of that then, part of my work was Habakkuk 2, verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Listen, if your vision's not plain to you, neither will it be plain to anyone else. If it's confusing to you and you can't get it out in a sentence or two, you need to keep working until you can. And so as I began to do that, then I began to have to prepare the way. Now, by prepare the way, I mean I had to study. I had to learn all I can. And when you step out into something, and I want to encourage you to learn all you can, you wouldn't believe how much my mind changed in the two years from leaving Gateway in 2013 to our launch day in 2015. And by about a nine months into my journey, I, I, the Lord was beginning to challenge me on, on multiple things. One of those was at Gateway, we never preached the gospel. I assumed everyone knew Jesus there. Luke Weaver invites me back one night to the Gateway House of Prayer to preach. And, and, and I was wrestling with this coming back in there and I'd been gone for a year. And I come in to preach and I ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to preach? And I'll preach the same message you preached the last time you were here. I said, the exact same message? It's like the Holy Spirit said, yes. And I said, why? He said, then tell them you didn't live it. The message was called pleasing God, okay? So <laughs> anyway, um, so I had to work through uh, rolling myself out under the bus in front of everybody, and I did. Really, really, the, the point of the message was about continuing to cultivate our secret history in God and how it's so easy to not do that. Well, anyway, at the end of that message, I'm closing up like I normally did, but then the Holy Spirit inserts a new one on me. I am sitting, I'm literally closing the message. Let's, let's pray. I get done with the message. And then I hear the Holy Spirit speak into, into my mind. That wasn't a voice. It was just a strong, powerful, will not let you go thought. Preach the gospel. And I'm like, I'm wrestling. I mean, in this little whatever instant moment of time, I'm like, Holy Spirit, it's Tuesday night at the Gateway House of Prayer. Surely everyone is saved here. They wouldn't even found us if they didn't have your help. You know what I'm saying? No answer from heaven. It's just quiet. I've never done this before. I'm, I'm, having, I'm having an awareness moment. I've been in ministry for about 15 years and I have never actually preached the gospel from up front. I've done it one-on-one -on -one with people, but not. And I'm like, then moment, a, a moment of tragic insecurity hits me. Do I even know how to do this? The Lord's like, do you know the message? Do you know what it is? Yes. Okay, well then preach the gospel. And I'm like, and so the, I, had been, I had been reading out of 2 Peter how, how the earth's gonna melt with fervent heat. What manner of people want you to be in holy conduct? So I'm thinking how to segue into this and I'm like, I, 
Perhaps you're not ready for the earth to melt with fervent heat yet because you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. I had, I had uh, there's maybe a hundred people in the room. I had every eyeball of a hundred people looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I preached the gospel. And I said, if you're here today and I'm channeling my, you know, my inner Billy Graham or whatever, because all the people I'd ever seen do it, like, would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I said, that annoys some of you. Why do you have them bow your head and close your eyes? What are you doing to preach the gospel? Okay, good. We're done with that discussion. So anyway, bow your head. I judge everything until you go do it. And then when you go do it, judgment goes out the window. You're just like, I just want to do this. Okay. So they, they, six people out of a hundred people raised their hand to receive Jesus Christ that night. Then I was like, yeah, that's how it all began here. That, so then I'm like, man, Tuesday night here? Well, what's happening over at Ephraim Community Church? And so then I said, if Kevin and Barry asked me to come preach again, I'm gonna preach the gospel there too. I'm gonna try this and see what happens. And so then I get invited back and I get asked to preach on the Victorious Church. And I, perhaps you're not feeling like you're a part of the Victorious Church because you're not. You haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ yet. Preach the gospel. 55 people that weekend got saved. And this became part of the bedrock. When we start to go for it, you can have one kind of plan and you're thinking about it stage that gets course corrected. I hated everything we're doing previously. I hated the uh, uh, smoke and lights. I judged it. Like some people probably do here. We don't need that stuff. You don't. If you're a worshiper, you don't. You're probably not even thinking about it during worship. But imagine for the first time, it's your first time ever in a Christian experience ever, because I was that guy at one point. And you come into a church and it's, and it's dimly lit and they sing off key and, and the environment's not friendly and it's really brightly lit and it feels like everybody's looking at me. See, we didn't design this for you. We designed those for who aren't in here yet. And we believe, we, I begin to go on this journey about considering, I, okay, you know what seeker sensitive is? Like seeker sensitive churches, like they're the bad church. You're seeker sensitive. You gotta be compromising the message. <laughs> and I'm judging this and the Holy Spirit said, well, you can keep judging that, but you're gonna be one of those churches. I'm like, what? I'm offended. <laughs> the Holy, Holy Spirit's like, well, I mean, seeker sensitive is better than being seeker insensitive, would you agree? <laughs> oh, well, if you put it like that. And we designed everything. I let God continue to change you. When you step out of whatever God's called you to do, he's gonna be messing with your head over and over and to align you with what he wants to do. We discovered you could be spirit-filled and, and seeker-sensitive and not compromise either reality. Yes. And, and, and many of your lives are impacted because of that. I wanted a church where everyone felt welcome. I, I would go visit churches and no way, like everybody would just like, I just felt like nobody would even acknowledge you. You'd walk in, it's like, I'm the invisible man walking by. We don't want to be that people. I hope that's not what you experience here. And then I got a vision and I got a strategy. And then the next step was to meet with people and proclaim it. And I'd have interest meetings and coffee appointments. And I would say, hey, buddy, I'd sit down with someone. And just like this purpose thing, maybe you're not called to lead it. I'd say, hey, what's your vision? I bet maybe I was meeting with Vern, but it wasn't Vern. Vern came later. Gary and Renee, I'd do Gary. Hey, what's your vision? Like, what do you think God's called y'all to do? They tell me what they're called to do. Do you, this is what I believe Lifeway is going to be. Do you see how what you're called to do and what Lifeway's called to do, how that can work itself out in Lifeway? Yeah, yeah. Would you pray about joining this team? I had so many of those conversations. I would proclaim, I'd make faith declarations. I'd be like, um, we need like $200,000 for equipment to launch in this Regal Cinema thing. 
Then I want to have 200 people on launch day. I mean, dude, I was making them numbers up. <laughs> Where are my pioneers at? You know what I'm talking about. Like, and so uh, I would declare, we want to have a permanent facility. We're not going to be portable. After three to five years, we're going to be in a permanent facility. We literally landed in here, literally to the day at four years, literally between three and five years, yeah. right? You guys are bored, I'm sorry. You're not as excited about <laughs> This is what I learned through all that. Teamwork really does make the dream work. Man, I just saw so many people give their time, their talents, and their treasure to invest in this vision called Lifeway Church. We had prayer meetings every Thursday at David Lee Vale's house. Every Thursday through all that summer, praying, hearing God about Lebanon, one of, the, one of the words that came forth during that prayer time, a prophetic word that came uh, was one of the ways we're gonna know that, that God's gonna transform Lebanon and the Holy Spirit spoke this before, there was a single renovation going on in this city. He said, you're gonna see the facades change all up and down um, 422. You're gonna see buildings update their buildings. You're gonna see all this stuff. I couldn't believe it when I was praying. I was early, and I was drive through and I began to see the first building change and the car dealerships, and then, and then Taco Bell, man, come on, change their facade, finally, you know? All the McDonald's now have changed their facade. I could go through all the different places, and it's every time I see one of those, it's gotta be like Noah seeing the rainbow. I remember the covenant God that's committed to doing something in this region. He's not interested in changing the facade, he's interested in changing the heart. Many of us have a facade that needs to go away, you know what I'm saying? I could tell you so many more stories. On launch day, 249 people showed up. I was so amazed. We had 200 over, we had $320,000 come in for our stuff. Um, we raised to get 200,000, what was that? We, I, we, must, we were like at $50,000 maybe in our savings account. We raised 150,000 like in four months, which back then felt huge. It was a small number of people. We only had, like our, our listen, our, when we started, we had 68 adults on that team. I left ECC with 55, gained a few more over that month as we were pre-launching. And to see that group of people and people believe in the vision and give to it wholeheartedly was amazing. And that first day when everybody streamed into the Regal Cinemas and I got to see, we sent out these mailers, some of you probably saw those, you know, and, and, and people came in and I preached that gospel that first day and I, I don't know what it was. I think like four people said yes to Jesus. I, I couldn't have been happier than after all my fear and all that stuff. The following week, 141 people showed up. I lost over 100 people in one week. I was like, what in God's name did I preach the first week? <laughs> but it was just people with curiosity checking us out. We had 99 adults the second week in that theater. That means I had about 30 more people, 31 more people than I had and adults, when we started. That means most of my people were actually working. <laughs> I'm gonna just think that through for a minute. Um, yet here we are five years later. Five years later, we're probably about a thousand person congregation. Some of you say, well, I don't care about numbers. I do, because when I look at you, if you're number seven, you're number 15, you're number 237, you're number 988, each of you to yourself, you may be a number in this room, but you're a person that Jesus died for. And I care about reaching more people. 
Um, the third thing you have to do is you have to evaluate it. And evaluating something, if we're gonna not camp where we're at, then we have to celebrate the wins. We have to start, we aren't gonna forget, Paul said he's gonna forget what lies behind. I wanna celebrate it before I forget it, okay? What happened in the last five years? Like we said, 910 salvations, marriages healed, bodies healed, community outreaches. You saw a $1.9 million building project. This church is so generous. It's just amazing. I'm amazed at the zeal you put where you put your treasure where your heart is. The core discipleship intensive started. We up, because of COVID, we drastically upregulated our, <laughs> and, and tried to improve our online services. We had a homeschool co-op start this year. See, COVID's been helpful. Anyway, and, and, and we are the praying church. We got about 10 or 11 prayer meetings that go every week in this place, right? But the other thing you have to do when you evaluate is you need to mourn the losses. Now, overall, overall, we've not had much in the way of loss. But how many noticed that 2020 became the year of testing for pretty much all of us? For relationships, come on, you, you go through COVID, you go through the uh, uh, racial oppression, and, and, and it's all of a sudden, it's like none of us can get an agreement on stuff. The world's become hyper-polarized. It's a year of testing. Hearts have been tested. Relationships have been tested. Shoot the whole world's in a time of sifting to see what's in our hearts. We've had people um, leave Lifeway because of the way we opened on May 31st. They thought well, you're being cavalier, you're being dangerous. You don't care about people. And I'm like, no, it's just a different perspective on what care is. I care about the mental health of people. I care about those who've been isolated. It's easy for me with a big family to... To, 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 to look at it from that angle. but uh, And so I, well, I hate losing relationships, but listen, when it comes to you fulfilling God's purpose, I hate losing relationships, but honestly, I would uh, uh, hate disobeying God more. We've had other losses. We had that dream of that coffee shop, that cafe down there. That's probably not gonna happen. This mall took a major hit through COVID. One man gave $40,000 to see that cafe become a reality. During COVID, thankfully, in his kindness and generosity, he called up and said, look, redirect that money if you need to, to make sure no staff lose their jobs. And we didn't have to lay off anybody because of him. And, and so, yeah. And so while that guy had in his heart the desire to see this cafe become a reality, God had something else that was more important in his plans, like sustaining families of those who work at Lifeway. Let me finish with this. Let's talk about discovering what's next. We have new campuses. We have a, a, a church planting network we wanna do. We think more people need this and we wanna equip people. Some of you are called to this. The, the next, when I think about what God's doing next, it involves, it's, to me, it's the season of the team. If, if the first five years are the season of the pioneer building the team, this is the season of the team. In Lifeway, I'm continually getting myself out of more and more to let my team lead because whether you know it or not, as things grow, the leader carries a ton more stress. And so my team all the time is going, you don't need to do that, we'll do that for you. You don't need to do that. I feel like all the time, like, I feel like you guys don't want me here. <laughs> Well, you know, and then a couple weeks ago, was it uh, four weeks ago, I lost my voice, right? And then, uh, and then I, I felt a lot of the weather uh, last week, and then Renee stepped in, and the Lord's like, we, we got this without you, boy. And I had this humbling moment. I had a moment during that, that 21 days of prayer and fasting where the Lord said, you realize, he just took me to deep humility and said, you realize the world's gonna go on when you stop, when your heart, when your heart beats its last. It's gonna go on. Build into people so it goes on. Are you following me? 
And part of what we do, whatever you start, you're going to, you have an expiration date and you're gonna leave a legacy. What if, I think this next season is the season of our legacy together. And I'm asking you to pray about what you're going to do and what your part's going to be in all of it. I wanna finish with this. How many have read the children's book, Are You My Mother? by, by is it P.D. Eastman? Come on, if you're, how old are you? About 20, 25? Yeah, so my daughter's 26. I would have read that to Jessica when she was growing up. And, and if you're about that age, you probably know that this book called Are You My Mother? And it basically starts with this bird that's, that's sitting in this nest and, 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 and the mom's like, ooh, baby, the baby bird's all jumpy in the egg, you know? And so mom goes out to get food for baby bird. Baby bird pops out and is wondering, where's my mother? falls out of its little nest, begins to walk around and all through the different things it faces, it comes to a cat first and then uh, I think to a hen and then a dog and then a cow and realizes none of this is my mother. And then it begins to look at other things in life like, like a, a car and then a, I think a boat and then a plane and then eventually what it calls the snort. And the snort's this big you know, excavator, uh, like a tractor thing and it, it hops to the top and finally cries out after all its searching, you know, where I want my mommy, <laughs> you know. And I feel like we could be looking for our purpose in life, like that little bird, through all of our experiences, our jobs, our relationships. I watched my sons, Josiah and Micah, take tragic, make some tragic choices throughout their journey. And, and I, made, I, I did those same things when I was in the world and I was lost in the world. You know what I learned to watch? I noticed something like, there, a lot of the people they hang out with, I believe Micah and Josiah are called to reach people evangelistically. Micah has always attracted the worst kinds of people, yet he himself won't participate in most of it. You know, And now he won't participate in any of it. But he went through a season where he was tempted and messed up. Josiah, the same kind of thing. And, and here's what I realized. Failures are sometimes our purpose trying to manifest, really just in an inappropriate way. Basically, it's your purpose, not engaged right. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Here's what I've learned. If I look at people through the eyes of God's spirit, I can sometimes see God's purpose in their messy process. Here's the question I have for you. Can you see through your journey God's purpose in your process? Would you stand to your feet? For some of you, your messy process led you here today. For some of you, that messy process has led you here today. Jesus, listen, we said when you first came in, you were made for more. I still believe that. I believe that you were made for more. Jesus did too. So he came from heaven to the earth to die on a cross for our sins, to pay the penalty of our sin, pay for the punishment we deserve so that we wouldn't have to have that punishment so that we could experience more in our relationship with God. No longer separated from God, but more being reconciled to God, more coming to know our heavenly father, more being like that bird where we go through life trying to find ourselves, find our identity. Who's, who's my, where's my source of origin? Where's my mom? Where's my purpose? 
And we try a lot of different things trying to figure that out. But then we get to that moment like on the snort, on the machine, we're standing at top crying out, I want to know what I was made for. God, will you find me where I'm at? Will you help me get back into the nest of who you are before sending me out? Let me discover who you are. Because when I discover who you are, I discover who I am. Jesus died so that you can have that. He said that anybody who believes in him would have their sins forgiven, they get reconciled to God, they receive the Holy Spirit, they begin to discover their purpose. As we celebrate our five-year anniversary, I would love to see people run into that today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here today and you're saying, man, I feel you. Just like that, that purpose, I told you, a purpose is like letting a bee's nest loose inside you. Whenever someone's being called to the Lord and they've not surrendered their lives to Jesus yet, they begin to feel that stirring on the inside. You're, it, it, the devil is trying to talk you out of it where you don't do it. And I wanna invite you to do it. I wanna invite you to surrender your life to Jesus. If that's you today, would you raise your hand high and let me pray for you? Come on, come on, I see you. Yep, anybody else? See you? Oh yeah, come on, come on. Heaven's rejoicing, just like when that mama bird, come on, come on, how many of you? <laughs> listen, there's five people that said yes, listen, listen. I remember, do you remember when you're reading, like, it's funny to watch your kids and I'm reading that book. Our kids are like the angels in heaven. They can't wait till that bird gets back to the mom. You're, I mean, you're about to bust out in tears. Like, oh, is this bird gonna make it to his mommy? And then he gets back, yes! That's what heaven's doing. For the ones of you who said yes to Jesus right now, that's what heaven's doing over you. Come on, let's give God praise again for what he's doing. Over you.